Hello to all of you out there. I am Ulrike Seminati, host of the podcast, Empowering Female Leaders, for women who want to thrive. Every week you will get new perspectives, exciting insights, and empowering messages of women from all over the globe. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Empowering Female Leaders. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Selvi Supuriamaniam, who is a HR leader with high enthusiasm for diversity and inclusion, focusing on women in leadership. She has played various roles in HR for the past 15 years in both being a business partner and a specialist. She's currently based in Dubai with her family. Welcome, Selvi, to this episode where we'll speak about thriving despite bias. Can you let us know a little bit more about yourself? Thank you, Ulrike. I'm a Malaysian. And like I've mentioned, I'm currently living in the UAE for the past three years. Been in the human resources function with few multinationals managing different regions. And um, always have been passionate about HR, where I get to meet and interact with multiple talented individuals, you know, while also playing a role in developing them further. So secondly, I also see it as an opportunity to champion diversity and inclusion, which is very close to my heart. Yeah, I can understand that very well. And it's a topic that I see across many organizations where I'm working as a, as a consultant, for example. It's more and more important. And many organizations also here in Europe are working on gender equality because it is still a big gap out there, which we have. And this is why it's so important to empower female leaders to go their own way, because it's also coming from the inside, from ourselves, what we can change and what we can move. Um, to move this whole thing into a different direction. Now, we have spoken when we prepared this episode, and you said that you think there is still a real problem with bias, bias in general, not only for gender bias, but bias in general, our biased views that we have on other people. Can you explain a bit more what you mean by that? I think bias is, is a very strong feeling one individual have towards um, a particular person or a community or an environment that they live in. Um, it's also a situation where it's difficult for someone to change the biasness that has been growing with them over the night. So it comes with a lot of reflections. It comes with a lot of thought process where people who are concerned about it are putting a lot of effort in mitigating this biasness. I think there are numerous types of biasness. We have gender biasness, biasness towards a nationality, you know, biasness to a culture or a, a race or even a religion, where which is very sensitive and it's happening in day-to-day -day basis. It can be conscious or unconscious bias that we are seeing, both in the world or even the corporate that we are working in. Yeah, and I think bias is one of the big topics. It was also the topic of the International Women's Day this year. And for a reason, because indeed, we can put in a lot of programs in diversity and inclusion and, and a lot of different trainings. But if this unconscious, especially the unconscious bias is still there, 
then we will not achieve the results that we expect to achieve. What is at stake if bias, any kind of actually, unconscious especially, is continually influencing our behaviors? Very good point, Aldrike. I would say that we will ultimately will be living in a very unequal world if breaking bias is at stake. I would further go down into, you know, when we started, we spoke about the International Women's Day and, and the theme for the year being breaking the bias. So when I break this down into gender bias, we will eventually lose all the progress people before us have worked on. Yeah, there has been an immense amount of standing up and speaking up that has been done by many prominent women. You know, I would just name a few people like Maya Angelou, Malala Yousafzai, and Hillary Clinton, and a lot more, many more to mention, right? And, you know, there has also been much sacrifices people before us have done, which we may not know of as well. So we are privileged being where we are at this point of time. And we should not settle and continue being in a comfortable zone. We have to do what it takes to break this bias where, you know, it can be hard to understand just how much stereotypes and unconscious bias can actually impact us until you have directly experienced this. I just wanted to share one of those that has impacted me personally and how looking into gender diversity and inclusion as a whole has become um, a part of me ever since then. I remember a moment during my early working years so I was rushing out of the office to attend my part-time MBA class there. So at that point of time, I was acknowledged by a fellow colleague asking me, hey, Selby, why so much rush when you know that you're going to end up in the kitchen anyway with a smirk on the face? I tell you, it happened 14 years ago that it was that right moment until today. I will never forget the exact sentence mentioned by that person. And that is also when I realized that I should strive to ensure this ends with us and the next generation should not undergo such similar experiences. It sticks with you afterwards. It's not just that in this very moment, this was completely inappropriate. We tend to let our self-esteem being harmed by it. Because even if we know it's wrong, we still somehow take it in and it does make us feel not great. Maybe there's anger, but there's also this feeling of, oh my God, you know, I'm just the somehow weak in this situation, especially if you didn't respond and later and say, oh, I should have said whatever. So if you're looking into this, what would be a way of, first of all, detecting bias, which is not always that obvious than in your example, you know, sometimes we get remarks and we just take them as they are because it was always like that and we accept them. And by this, we actually reinforce the, the whole pattern of having bias out there. What can we do to, first of all, detect it? So probably talking from a corporate setup where I'm, I'm not dwelling into the society as per se. When we look at things that is happening around us, um, are we being conscious about who is in our team? How are we managing our team? So it can be as simple as that someone could be having a male employee and again thinking that, oh, um, a, a young family builder, I'd probably give him more chances 
for him um, to strive better in the organization. But the right thing is that he's probably wanting more time to be spent with the family. So these are the kind of biasness we build into ourselves just by the experiences that we have in the past. It's different situations and detecting it is not going to be easy. But from a corporate setup, we could see the kind of people hired into a team, the kind of people who are being promoted into a team. Are we embracing diversity? Are we only looking into certain gender or certain nationality or, or certain races into an organization? This is the best way to detect it. But in society, it lives within us and it's not as easy for us to detect. And there are many studies who have shown, for example, where it's about hiring people when there's no photo and no name on the CV so that people can have absolutely no idea if it's a man or woman and from which country they're coming from, then totally different people are actually getting invited for the interview than if they put up their photo and their name because there is still a very strong bias towards people who have a different skin color, for example, coming from specific countries, depending on where you are, obviously, each time, and men and women as well and their family situation. So very recently I heard that particularly men with children get the most promotions because as you said before, they are also seen as someone who somehow needs it or deserves it or it's, a, it's great, you know, that they have children and this responsibility and so on. And they found out and I was surprised about that, that also women with children get more promotions than women without. And I think this is pretty new because I've seen similar studies of a few years ago and it was the opposite way around. So that is an interesting shift, I would say. Still, obviously, there is a lot of bias because percentages speak by themselves. So it's still very much out there. Let's go back maybe to the corporate world and imagine our audience, many are working in the corporate world. There may be leaders or young leaders or future leaders in the corporate world. And they realize two things. One is that they probably experience bias themselves. And the other thing is that finally, if they're really, really honest, that they are also biased in how they treat the people in their team or their colleagues. It's not just a question of sympathy. There's some other bias underlying there. What would you recommend to them how they can manage this in their daily life? I'd probably break this down into being there for other women because I've been largely speaking about gender biasness and also how allies come into the picture in mitigating gender biasness in the workplace. A woman alone has power and collectively we have impact. So I believe one tend to support an initiative better when we ourselves have gone through the struggle ourselves. With more women supporting the act towards mitigating biasness, playing active role in speaking up and standing up, you know, it gets better attention. And but for this, we must also reverse the stereotype that women do not support women. Senior women leaders can play a role of, you know, being a mentor or a coach to groom the emerging female talents in the organization. I can confidently say this has a great impact in making a change. As a privileged person myself, to have worked for multiple organizations that has always paid great attention into diversity at work. And also to mention that I fondly remember the dialogue between Madeleine Albright and uh, someone from BBC, where she says that 
okay, there is a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. And I have that strongly in my mind when I actually heard that from Madeleine Albright. And the second point, Audrey I mentioned about allyship. How allies comes into play in mitigating biasness, right? So bring them on board to support. We cannot solve the issue of gender bias by only having women focusing on it. Men, on the other hand, especially men in this generation, they have valuable input and that must be considered, I would say. Women in senior management positions who are asked to focus heavily on these initiatives. And of course, you know, we are getting men involved. We have to invite them over it and also support them in this initiative. It's about really bringing people together, creating an awareness of it, and, yes. and then working with a common objective to something that is just free from bias in a certain way, or where we just treat each other as the human beings we are without being influenced of gender or origins, for example, or whatever else. It sounds like a great world and a great place to be. <laughs> a lot of work indeed to do. Now, when we are in a situation where we have the feeling, okay, on the other side, I have someone who obviously is making remarks that are just really inappropriate every single time. But this other person has another level of power in the organization and has maybe a lot of respect from other people with a lot of power in the organization. And so you don't dare to speak up or you don't dare to bring up the topic and to create this sense of being an ally and working together towards it. What do I do then? <laughs> what can I do? I would probably say that all the work that people have done previously is going into ways when it does not come from the top. And I also firmly believe that if it is an organization that believes heavily on diversity and ensuring that we want to mitigate any form of biasness or unconscious biasness, it should have a platform for any employees to speak up to anyone in the organization saying that, hey, look, I understand the statement that you have made is sensitive and should not be mentioned. So people should not be scared to speak up and open up. So I remember this fondly from one of the organizations that I work with. There is a series of courageous conversation that we have just to empower people to be more open, to speak up, doing the right thing. So doing the right thing should not only be on the wall as a part of the culture, it should be lived by the leaders in the organization itself. And I would think that if you are working for an organization that's really living its values, you'd probably be in the right place to actually open up and speak up. You know, it doesn't have to be you going directly into that particular powerful person mentioning that, hey, what you did was wrong. But oftentimes organizations prepare multiple platforms that allows you to do it rightfully without hurting an individual. That's my view. Hmm. Yeah, it's about the organizations and it's always from the top. It's always about walking the talk because as you rightly say, if we only have nice values as posters on the wall and whatever intentions in terms of diversity and inclusion, and it's just a campaign inside of the company, but not really lived through the company, then it's not happening. I see this quite often that there is an intent 
in certain senior leadership committees. And I've seen a lot happening also for International Women's Day, for example, where you have the feeling, wow, now it's on top of the stage. And especially with this year's theme, it was there, obviously, very, very prominent. The question is always afterwards, this whole attention wave goes flat again. Another year passes by. Some things might have changed in a little, yeah, in a little area, but it's, you know, it's not feeling like a true breakthrough. And I wonder what can be done from each individual to make a change to this, because it's not just that others are doing that. We are all doing that. I'm sure that we are all having a lot of unconscious bias just by the way we have been brought up, what we have seen in our lives, how many different and diverse people we have met in our lives, how much we traveled, for example. This all plays a big, big role in terms of how we see the world and how open we are also for different cultures, for example. Do you think there is a way of how we can start with ourselves and where we have truly control of, which is just ourselves, how we can start there? I think I am going to speak to something that I'm very passionate about, women themselves. I'm going to say this to all women out there. Do what scares you. The next time you are seeing a dream job posted, go ahead, apply for it. Never second guess yourself for being only, you know, probably a 60 or 70% match to the job. Do not self-doubt. The point here is that the one change that you can start by yourself is no self-doubting. If a promotion is coming with a relocation, go for it. Keep asking what's next. And of course, weighing in the impact, you know, it, that comes along to you and your family. But along with this, there are going to be moments that is difficult, painful to cope. And when in doubt, rely on the support system. I think that you're addressing a very good topic here because there's the bias outside of ourselves, in the companies, in the organizations, wherever, in the, in the society and so on. But probably the most hindering bias is probably what we think about ourselves because our own view on ourselves is the most heavily biased view and probably the least based on facts of all the views that we have around any kind of topic <laughs> we can imagine. So it's a very strong point here. If you see women who are, who are very qualified and where you know they, they could do a much, much better job, they could really grow into a very important leadership position, but they're not doing it. They're holding themselves back. They're keeping themselves small. What would you recommend for them to do to, first of all, become aware of the whole potential that they have and they, they can't see maybe because they're so much biased by self-doubts, for example, or by being overly self-critical? First of all, there's two things. It's women trying to think that we can do it all by ourselves and oftentimes not creating a support system around us, having a networking system around us where we actively um, seek feedback. We actively speak about our career goals. We actively speak about the situations in the family, you know, a trusted circle that we have within us, which is going to be extremely important when it comes to a situation when you weigh in what works, what doesn't work. Because when you know that this is what I want to achieve, 
but I have all this right in front of this, but I want to speak to my support system to see where I am. So oftentimes we don't do that. We dwell on it by ourselves. We think that, okay, this role is coming. I probably don't want to go for it because of one, two, three reasons without discussing about it. I will quote an example that happened to myself. When a role came into me that comes with a relocation, my managers did not second guess to question me, hey, Salvi, will you take up this role and move to this location? Because it was very clear to them that I have put that in my individual development plan that I'm open for relocation. And this is exactly where I'm seeing my career growing. And that conversations, that open conversations that I always had, had made it possible for me to be even considered for a role that comes with a relocation. So always, always have a, a circle around you as a support system when you want to have personal conversations to assist you further. It's a bit like having a sounding board. You're getting a different opinion on how you are and how capable you are, actually, than what you might allow yourself to think of yourself. That is very true. And oftentimes we, we have the reason saying that, hey, I am not good with networking. I'm not going to have time for networking because there's a lot of things that I need to balance. Oftentimes women, we being the primary caretaker of the house, we often drop some of the balls trying to ensure there is a balance where every other important things on the table. But I would say it's not about networking. It's about creating a circle where you are being comfortable. It can just be your best friend that you bounce back ideas that, hey, you know, you know me so well. This is what I think I want to do. But do you think I would be able to do it? Or the organization preparing a mentoring circle where both men and women can actually have a group of trusted individuals around their circles and can speak up, can get proper feedbacks or even developmental feedbacks for their own good. Exactly. And it's all in the power of the words as well. Because I know that when you are speaking out the intention of having another position, of making a career in a certain way, when you speak it out loud towards someone else, you create a an accountability that is much more important than if you just think it for yourself. And the likelihood that it will happen rises because then you become just more engaged in the whole topic because you said it to someone. There's this, yeah, there's an underlying accountability. It's a very interesting effect. We need to think more strategically in terms of what is helping us on the long term, not just now, not only the urgent tasks, which are all urgent and important that I have on my agenda, but also looking into tasks that are maybe not urgent, but very important, like, for example, building a more favorable environment of, of people that support us. We often think, and this is an internal bias that we have clearly, that when somebody says something more positive about our capacities or competencies than what we believe we, we have, they don't believe it because you think, no, that's not a reality. The other person doesn't know me that well. And I think it's so important to understand it's your own bias. Who knows if your reality, if your view of things is this reality, really? How do you know? <laughs> it can be that the other person is right or not even right enough because a third person would even evaluate your competencies even higher. And maybe this is the reality. It's really up to us to decide if we want to believe the positive feedback and input that we potentially can get from such a network. 
and to build on that one rather than on our own self-doubts. If people now go out, stop listening to our episode, what is the first thing which you would recommend them to do? The one thing that I would recommend them to do is to listen more to your environment and to your surrounding. Listening more is going to help you to make a lot of great decisions where you would not have think of. When you are open to listen more, you apparently will start to see things in a very different perspective altogether. The more listening you do, the more perspective you get, that eventually helps changing the biasness that we have in us. This was another episode of Empowering Female Leaders. What are the questions and topics in female leadership that you are interested in? Let me know in the comments on YouTube and Instagram or join our LinkedIn group. I am excited to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe for new talks with inspiring women from all around the globe. Thank you for listening.